All right. We are live, I think. Yes. On the internets. That's great. Well, I've already done all my speculation on the Discord, so I've got really nothing to say. Yeah, you, you shit-talked on the Discord the entire way through the presentation and in my ear as well. Yeah. Uh, that's yeah. all I heard is the shit-talking. I, I, I felt like, God, are we just too skeptical? Like, it's really, you know, easy to just see through this stuff now. Maybe it's like age or it's just the, the sort of Sam Altman, I want to be Steve Jobs playbook that he seems to be rolling out. I think the two things that were the biggest, unfortunately, I got leaked early, so um, I uh, was less excited by them. But the 128K context window on GPT-4 Turbo is truly exciting. I mean, look, we've had Claude 2 for ages, and it's pretty amazing at the 100K context size, but GPT-4 tends to give better results. And having that amount of context at the lower price as well, which is obviously significant, uh, will be interesting to try. Yeah, I also thought it was interesting that they said that the speed, like, it, you know, they're focused on price right now, but next is speed. And and I thought the most impressive demo, well, not impressive in the sense that I was impressed by the technology, but impressive in... <laughs> not, term- not impressive in the traditional yeah, sense. Yeah, just, just more... Im- it, was, it was lame sense. More impressive in the sense that, like, it was fast. So that, like, demo of the assistance on on local host 8000 at the end which i noticed was um was was pretty fast like it was responding insanely fast i haven't seen anything that fast yet but maybe this is just the new upgraded chat gpt we're going to look at yeah that's right they the turbo has been fast for a while there the thing i'm interested in as well is the they talked about being able to run multiple function calls in the same request which is something i've actually done locally in in demos i've done where i i allow it to output multiple function calls the problem when i do multiple function calls is you can't then stream the output because you're waiting to see is it outputting text or is it outputting a function call so you've got to sort of parse the whole thing before you can do anything so if they have a solution to function calling that doesn't rely on that technique then I think that will be pretty cool because you can be going off running the function while you're applying to the user, increasing that perceived speed in your application. Yeah, I think I did hear them allude to some sort of asynchronous way of doing that potentially. There was a, there was quite a lot to take in. At the start, they, they, they skimmed over a number of different facts. The first one, 92% of Fortune 500 used ChatGPT, which is pretty damn impressive. 100 million weekly active users so that that's like a real uh you know significant amount of of usage there. They started off with GPT-4 Turbo, which I I don't even know if that was very unexpected. There wasn't much in this entire announcement that Yeah, it uh, like I said, the the whole presentation he se- he seemed like he was just really anxious to get through the little things so he could get to the big thing at the end. And I guess we'll talk about that at the end the GPT's announcement. But I thought that it the whole thing had this theme of they don't really understand what people are using their technology for. When I look at our own community and just the examples people cite of what they're doing locally with models or what they're doing with the GPTs or applications they'd like to do, but they're too expensive on, say, GPT-4 32K. And then you see their, their sort of smarmy Silicon Valley video where it's like, I use I use it to help me write my blog content. 
it it just seemed like they just don't understand the use cases. Like even their demos were, here's how I interact with my Google Calendar on a day-to-day basis as if this is the biggest unsolved problem in in the universe. It, it's just like, oh, well, how can I schedule my meetings better? Or how can I chat to someone about my meetings? It just It just doesn't resonate when you've got people out there solving real issues and creating actual really valuable products. Yeah, a big factor for me was, and I said this to you during during the our shit talk conversation. I think I said it on Discord as well. Is the fact that you know Sam Sam Altman seems like he doesn't use AI. Like he just yeah. talks as if he doesn't really use the products or like. And he's actually been interviewed quite a few times, and they're like, "What do you use ChatGPT for?" And he gave really. Uh, really bad examples. He seems like like truly out of touch CEO in the sense. Yeah, of- I've I've had this issue in the past where people say, "What do you do?" And when say we talk about our day, like our day to day company, like I sometimes struggle to describe what it does. Like a lot of tech people do, but when it comes to AI, like I was at a dinner on Sunday night and someone said to me, "Oh, what what are some of the things that I could use ChatGPT for?" and I can immediately rattle off real world use cases of people I know who are using it in their jobs, in their personal life, and with with actual detailed examples that illustrate to them what it's powerful for. But they, in this presentation that was clearly a big deal to them, couldn't do the same thing. Yeah, it was just obvious that they um that the the examples felt really I, I don't know. They just felt like they weren't real. Like the, and again, we'll get to it a bit later, but the, they announced that, you know, you could basically chat with Zapier um, and do that sort of calendar example that they stepped through. And I'll try and bring up some examples of that a bit later, but the whole demo, like no one is going and chatting with their Zapier GPT to do this. I, I just, I, I wonder similar to the, the w- plugins like is, is this going to be another failed experiment in the sense that like do you really use like why go to canva gpt when you can just go to canva i don't well understand. i think this is the thing it was really it was really maybe just padding because the real announcements and what really matters to our community i think is the cheaper price and the larger context window i mean those are the two most significant things by miles because the the larger context window means that all of the people who couldn't get access to Claude now have all of those abilities that we've been using for a while. And I know from how much I rely on Claude 2 that this will open up the use cases for people who didn't have it before. And then the lower cost makes it actually approachable to do that because the GPT for 32K, while it was pretty powerful and could do most uh, applications that you'd want in a larger context window, um, the cost was just like, I could never deploy this. I could never actually use this in a real life application because the cost is just insane. Whereas this cost reduction of like three times, yeah, it's still going to cost a lot if you use the full context window. It makes things that weren't possible before really possible. And I think that the real implication is a lot of, let's say, wrapper apps that weren't possible before now are. And I know they've come out simultaneously with the competing product but i don't think that's enough to mitigate the effect for regular developers working on ai applications that this this price and context window increase brings yeah to me i don't think if their idea here is to capture and build some sort of ecosystem i'm just not sure 
it, it's going to work. And, and that's partially because, as we said towards the end here, why are you going to go and invest and build your applications in this ecosystem when he, you know, he said clearly every app's going to be screened so they can just take it away uh, from, from their ecosystem <laughs> and immediately. And clone it themselves and, and just be like announcing whatever app, app number four, we've, we've cloned it and uh, now it's, it's available for everyone to use. Yeah, I don't think this will necessarily stop people building into that ecosystem. And I'm sure we'll see major brands have different uh, apps. Are we calling them in there? I know they're calling it GPTs, but that's mental. Um, so, you know, people having these different GPTs in the store, I guess the, the real question will be, is this like an Apple Watch platform where no one really uses the, the apps on a watch because it's a watch? Or is yeah, this more I mean, like the App Store... Yeah, like if we if we're jumping forward to talk about the the GPT stuff, because there's still a few things I'd like to cover about the initial announcements, like JSON mode and things like that. But in terms of the GPTs, yeah, it, it really gave me the impression it's just sort of like a prompt builder for people who don't know how to write prompts. It's really just giving you a few two or three boxes that have like this is this part of the prompt, this is this part of the prompt, and then that'll make you a chatbot, perhaps with some built-in um, knowledge or whatever they're calling it, where you upload a few documents and then that can reference it. So I upload two or three PDFs. I put in my three or four parts of the prompt. And now I have a chat bot that like knows about accounting or uh, one that knows about my business. Yeah. I, I, I yeah, I, I just, I, the, the real question will be what, what does it mean? Are people going to go here for everything or is it more, as we've said for a long time on this show, just a use case library, teaching people how to use ChatGPT because the reality is, and mm. you alluded to it earlier, is people in your day-to-day -day life, a lot of them don't know how to take advantage of AI. They don't know what it can do. They don't, you know, they, they're just, they've got a blank cursor in front of a screen and they're like, I can ask this thing anything, anything. Like it's yeah. the- it's interesting you say that because I saw that on a, a public startup forum I'm in the other day saying, oh, how come- uh, GPT always responds in this sort of arrogant way like it knows. And I'm just thinking it's because you're not prompting it right. Or I spoke to someone the other day who was trying to write a mission statement for their company. And he said, oh, I didn't end up using it because it, it kept doing this or whatever. And I just kept thinking, oh, you just don't know how to prompt it correctly. And you're right. It's that mainstream audience who I guess they were trying to appeal to, as someone just said, um, Aaron Wheeler just said in our chat. Um, they were really trying to appeal to that sort of mainstream public audience, not the people who've got deep into the weeds with prompt engineering who understand how to overcome those things, even in an aligned model like GPT-4. But then I, this is the thing I don't get. And I know there's some people watching live in the chat that feel the same way. Why call it a dev day? <laughs> I mean, it felt like there was yeah. very little relevance apart from the rushed announcement. It was more like an FU dev day. It's like, hey, all those things you've been beating, we've just sort of theoretically wiped out so you don't have the confidence to, say, pursue the apps you're working on because someone might build them in our community now. Um, it really wasn't that embracing of devs at all. I mean, they alluded at the end that there's more things available via the API, like Dali, for example, and... Um, the the function the sorry um, interpreter and things like that which are definitely going to empower devs but it was almost you know it was relegated to the end the demo didn't really capture it very much and I got the impression it was more like 
all right, here's a proprietary API you can build on. Every single function call is going to call and you're calling an API to write code to do the same things over and over again. Like he gave the example of, oh, here's a travel thing that'll that'll plot stuff on a map and it'll calculate the costs for everyone. Look, it's it's writing code to to calculate these costs. And I'm like, what kind of system do you have that plans a travel trip that writes its own code every time it runs? Like it just seems like a wildly inefficient way to build an app for things that are solved problems. You don't need to, you don't need code interpreter to do that. Like there's, it should be used for novel use cases that it can't possibly know in advance. But if you're building some travel app, you know what all the problems are in advance. It's not, it's not a use of code. Yeah, it can do it, but do you really need it? Yeah. I, I also thought that the, the comment at the end from, Sam, when he finishes the presentation, is basically like, you know, in the future, we're going to have agents, you'll just talk to a computer and it will literally do everything. Is a bit like, you know, build quickly while you can, make money while you can, because eventually, you know, we're going to turn all these integrations into one big super AGI computer and you'll all be effed. Yeah, yeah, and he even he even said that to Satcher when he left the stage. He's like, "Oh, I look forward to building AGI with you." It's this sort of like sinister undertone. It's like, "Oh, this is all fun, fun and games right now, but this is just really funding the the end of humanity." And um, we'll we'll do that in the background. You guys just don't worry about it. It'll be fine. It's very um, hard it- to take them seriously though when they say that stuff and then they're like, now you can build GPTs. Here's a form field. Yeah, it's it's just like the Apple Watch store. This this comment from Cole Tregascus, I hope I said that right in the in the chat, where he's like, let's call them agents. I don't think we should call them agents because I don't think these are anywhere near to agents. Like you and I have been building stuff that I would call agents. And I feel like they're missing several components from the these GPTs that I would have to consider an agent like they don't have a sort of transient memory they don't have a personality they don't have um a sort of agency of their own and i think to call something an agent they need to have agency they're they're not just like a pre-programmed chatbot prompt yeah for sure um so Let's go back to the de- the developer yeah. announcements and the key announcements because I do feel like unlike yeah, a regular a show, we're I... we're getting ahead of ourselves. Yeah, exactly. We need a we need an agenda. This is very unprofessional. But um, so yeah, a few of the things that are very appealing to me, aside from the larger context window and the price, they're obviously big ones, really important. The JSON mode, being able to force it into JSON mode is really, really good because we've spoken about this before where we had things like Microsoft Guidance. We had things like specifying an output format that it would follow most of the time. That's what I use now. But I would say even in prompts that I use regularly, one in every 10 times, it'll screw up the output and give invalid JSON, which is why I think I've mentioned a few times, I actually often get my prompts to output in XML because it seems to be able to do, in my experience, do that better and more consistently for parsing. But even that, it screws up from time to time. So being able to be guaranteed valid JSON coming out the other side is a really, really big step forward in terms of I guess just the efficiency of building LLM based apps, like knowing that you're going to get valid JSON just means that you, you're spending a lot less time uh, worrying about edge cases and things like that. So I think that one is very significant. 
Just as you're talking here, I'm trying to bring up the chat on the screen really unprofessionally. Yeah, that's a good idea. There's some really good comments, and I'd really like to take advantage of the fact that we have everyone here today with us, and it's not just our thoughts on this. I'm very curious on everyone else's thoughts um, on the announcements and which parts are actually significant and which parts are just sort of fluffy because it's a bit of both. So the the follow-on from the, the JSON was the consistent outputs. Like, they have a way now, and I, I must admit it was a bit... I was a bit unclear on the details of it and I need to look into it. Yeah, they it, called but... it JSON mode where you'd switch on JSON mode as your preferred output. No, but they mentioned something else as well about being able to get consistent outputs. So I guess it's sort of like a prefixed output format. So you know you're going to get certain fields and things like that. So and And I think what they're saying is that you're always going to get the same kind of output. Um, which which is really important as well for building applications. So they also announced um, the Better World Knowledge, which I thought was interesting. It seems like we saw earlier in the week Elon Musk flirt with the idea or we'll talk about XAI. And one of its key advantages, in his opinion, is that it can retrieve real world information. And I've got some examples to go through mm. in a minute on that. Um, but they were really pushing that hard. It seemed a little bit reactionary to me, like... Oh, we've got better world knowledge too. Don't worry. We're going to keep it up to date from now on. Sorry, yeah. guys. And the crowd's like, woo, woo, latest knowledge. Cool. You, you know what's happened lately? Nothing much really. But yeah, um, I guess that makes sense. It is annoying when it doesn't have up to date thing. But I also noticed that they sort of re-announce things like they tend to do. Like, oh, no, no, you really can have Dali 3 now. You really can have image recognition now. You really can have web browsing now. Things that they'd had six months ago that they're now sort of saying okay well yeah actually you have this now yeah so they they re really re-announced modalities but also uh announced them into the api so dali 3 coming to the api chat gpt4 vision which i honestly the that's... vision in the api is huge like the 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 potential applications of that now are massive i really am excited about trying that and we mentioned earlier we're going to try a lot of these things obviously and talk them, about them on our regular podcast this week so we can actually verify and and test the, this stuff to see that it, it lives up to what they're saying i mean if people listening thought the trolling was, you know, a little bit harsh over Ed Sheeran the other week, wait till we get our hands on, on GPT-4 Vision. I mean, it's going to be really interesting to push that to its limits and, and try it. I'm excited actually to consider building a shell app for an iPhone where I can just take my camera around and get the odd still frame and process that image from my day like, do you remember, we actually had a customer in our business called, I think it was called Narrative. And you'd put this clip on your uh, shirt and it had a little camera and it would take a photo every 30 seconds. Do you I remember do remember that? that. You wore it for like a week or something like that. Yes, I do. No, remember I think that. I wore it for like a month and it would take photos and th then you'd go to it and you could flick back to any sort of time and period and see, uh, you know, your memory. But now what I think is so interesting is you could clip that little pin to yourself and have a journal, right? So here's an, here's an app idea. Uh, so you, you clip it to yourself, you, it takes a photo and then the vision is constantly describing it and giving you like, a, you know, a full, full blown memory. I, I think there's so many cool things like that. Or yeah, like even, um, for example, I've just got one of these smartwatches for the first time because I want to 
do more steps. And I know I'm like 15 years behind the curve on that one, but um, things like vision synced up with other telemetry data that you, I know telemetry is not the right word, whatever data, like one of the things this watch does is track my stress. Like imagine if you could correlate the things you're seeing with stress. It's like, well, every time you look at your computer, you're stressed. (laughs) You know, every time you're looking at the green nature and going for a walk, you're not stressed. It would be very interesting to, to have different data points associated with the vision API and making interpretations of things you should do more, things you should do less of. And I think that really the vision we haven't fully explored as a community the potential applications of that. There's so many when you think about how much of our uh, world is about vision and what we're seeing and how we're interpreting that. And to have that being done programmatically and at all times and from different angles and different places, like the 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 amount of visual footage that's out there is is enormous. And being able to process that systematically using vision that's accurate uh, is going to be very significant. I don't actually know, and it'd be great if someone could say in the comments what the cost on vision is. I'd be curious at how much per interpretation it actually costs. Like, could you realistically run a full video through it frame by frame, or like you say, a frame every 10 seconds? Or is it is it sort of the case where you're really only going to be working on static images images due to the cost? Yeah, I I mean, this, this does beg the question, right? It seems like OpenAI come out and lead with with something like GPT-4 Vision. And then as we've seen from the open source community, we get a number of different models that are catching up on Vision. I mean, they're definitely not like perfectly comparable, but I'm sure a lot of them could be fine-tuned for use cases. We've alluded to it many times on the show before around like toys, like kids' toys. So you could have a like a kid's robot that goes around your house. This just kind of sounds scary, but if it was localized, <laughs> taking photos and then making decisions of like where to navigate or or what like fun things to do. And you think it's like GPT-4 vision is just not really that relevant for that or, or where you're talking about the memory device where you want it all on board. Like a lot of these things aren't, you know, they're just the technology's not there yet necessarily to power it. But I think this is where the open source community sort of can step in and create these more efficient models for more purpose driven things. And I yeah, wonder and I think there's a there's a big difference paying a static cost to be running a big machine for your say vision API than it is paying every single time you run it. Um and I think that's the thing. You can do more speculative work if you if you own the hardware, then you can just keep running it, um, looking for gold in amongst all the images you have. Whereas you're never going to do that on an API where it's a per call cost. Yeah. I just wonder with, with these kind of like with GPT-4 vision and, and these different capabilities is, you know, is this just going to inspire like more open source or are people really going to build around you know, like I felt today, a lot of these developer announcements were a reaction to people using Claude for 100k context. For yeah, people- and I, I see what you mean. It's like, is is GPT-4 really in some ways just setting the sort of benchmark of this is where you can get to if you have the most money and the most talented people building stuff. And then that really sets the tone of what's going to be next in the AI space and what we can look forward to being able to use on alternative models. I'd say that's probably true. Yeah, I think, and you you said this before, but it was really interesting. I mean, we saw was it? I think it was April this year. We we got 
uh, GPT-4 and, and Vision, correct me in the chat if I'm wrong, but we, you know, we got this uh, access to GPT-4 for the first time and they showed off Vision all the way back then, said it would be available. Obviously, their safety constraints, um, you know, wanted to limit facial recognition, like all these other things that could potentially go wrong. But then, you know, the question is, is like, are we going to get it today? Is it going to yeah. be like, is it really today? Like, there's still no word from what I can see just scrolling through. I saw someone in the comments say that they already had access to the JSON stuff in the docs, at least. So it'll be interesting to see. Yeah. I mean, he did most things, I think, say they would be out today. So it'll be very interesting. The other thing that's probably worth covering is the the Microsoft connection. Um, it's, it's a bit strange. I felt like Satya, I don't know if I say that name right, came out and said a whole lot of nothing. He's like, we're heaps excited about what you're doing. We're trying to build the systems. He just kept saying, we're trying to build the systems. I don't know what he means. I guess he means the infrastructure to deliver this at a commercial sort of level. Um, and it really was just a sort of, it seems like the money guy just gets to come out and do his speech. I didn't really see the significance of, of him coming out. He didn't really announce anything. Yeah, I felt like it's just that keynote playbook, right, of much larger companies like Apple where they bring out, like Steve Jobs famously brought Bill Gates out with their Microsoft partnership where they were announcing, you know, Microsoft Word and Microsoft Excel on the Mac. I I remember that. And it was like Sam Altman's playbook to be like Steve Jobs. is like, I'm going to bring out my bitch now, the CEO of Microsoft. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I found that bit a bit dull and pointless. Like, I didn't really understand. I mean, I say this as someone who does use Azure and their GPT offering is great. It is faster. It has the larger context window available and did before it did on regular open AI. So I suppose that that relationship's going to continue. But as some people have pointed out, it's a weird one because in some ways they're competitors and yet they're, they're, they're in this weird dance where they, they have to work together. Yeah, and behind the scenes, they're secretly trying to, you know, screw each other over. I mean, that's like no doubt that Microsoft's trying to unhook themselves from open AI. Like, there's no doubt in my mind and vice versa. I mean, we saw that leak on the information about, uh, you know, removing the, the, just the sheer cost. And they obviously knew all this stuff was coming, right? So they're still looking at these cheaper, more efficient models. And, and I was going to make this point earlier, but I, I lost my train of thought. It was, I think the next, and I'm, I'm willing to put this prediction out there. I think the next big thing that they're going to do and they alluded to it on stage was if you have this specialist requirement to train models on proprietary data, we want to help you. Yeah. Yeah. I found that bizarre as well. But hang on. I, I do have one point because I'm going to forget it again if I don't make it is okay. that I think we'll see a model marketplace next. And I've said it many times on the show. We've, we're going to have our GPT store and our model marketplace. It's going to come. Yeah, that would make sense because one of the things I thought about the whole GPT's concept is really to make them any good and make them useful, you really need to seed them with proprietary knowledge. And no one's going to want to share their pro proprietary knowledge even for money. So they're going to have to have fine-tuned models and other things that are dedicated for purpose. And they sort of, they they glossed over the fine-tuning and the fact that it was available. And then weirdly, they're like, okay, so we're, we're an API 
we allow people to make their own apps on there to compete with people who are trying to develop off our API, but also we will consult to companies if they want it to build their their models and AI applications. So another case of them not really knowing where their future lies in terms of where they sit in making money. Yeah, and and that was the whole sense I thought from the event. If you're just looking at it at, of living up to becoming this, you know. I think everyone thinks they're on a path to being like the next Google, like a really big company. I think that's pretty obvious now, but it does seem like outside of that core chat GPT use case of almost being like the replacement for Google search, not necessarily search in the sense of search, but like this sort of compressed knowledge of the internet where you can find things faster and get it tuned to maybe more what you're looking for. I think that use case is very sticky. That's not going to go away. I mean, I'm so reliant on it today. And then just the sort of like, I don't want to say it, but like autocomplete in uh, in uh, IDEs and, and places like that with Copilot. I think those use cases are very sticky. They're already here to stay. But outside of that, I just don't think anyone's really figured out really novel like ways where you're addicted to it to use it all the time. Yeah, like if you look at today's announcements holistically, they haven't really, well, I mean, they haven't announced anything that isn't already out there. Like we saw the 128K model released during the week. I was trying to try it this morning, um, but couldn't because I realized I need to rent a much larger cluster in order to run it. But yes, they have the state of the art model, but nothing they're doing isn't available in some form. Like today wasn't a generational shift. Like we've seen at every other announcement where we, we see something where you're just like, wow, these guys are truly head and shoulders above everyone else. It was sort of marginal improvements or in some cases them playing catch up. And I'm not arguing that some of the things are cool and I'm going to try them and they are a step in the right direction but this is the first time where we've seen a sort of secretive announcement where we haven't seen something that is just mind-blowing next level oh my god the whole world's gonna change yeah and and it's a good point because they didn't really even have a paradigm shift like it was really just like better chatbots today like there was no talk of things like autogen for example coming out of microsoft where it's like okay here's a simulation like here's something for your business where you you're planning your travel like they used in that developer example and we've got seven experts in here who are going to have a conversation about your trip find you the best prices tell you the best places to go debate over uh which which countries are great in the spring and that there wasn't any thinking around what other what other major paradigms can we use with this existing technology to to get more out yeah of the chris i i will interrupt you just because um my audio was out so no one knows what we're talking about um <laughs> it, it is back now um oh but- we just gave away the secrets <laughs> to agi sorry guys oh what a shame yeah so the point I made just because it, it did cut out is around this idea that if we compare, you know, the, the comparison people like to make is to the iPhone right now, I think, and, you know, building apps and an ecosystem to to lock people in. And I think that's really what they've been searching for. It's like this new novel use case for ChatGPT to keep it as this core platform for AI. And the plugins thing was a disaster, let's be honest. The, the switching was was pretty poor as well and so i guess the the question really is have they done enough here to 
make this seem like a platform that you want to go and build on versus just this novel technology that devs just desperately want to go and use in their own apps. And now they've got this counterproductive sort of battle going on. It's like, are we just competing with everyone or are we helping these guys? And yeah, I think it's so unclear. Someone said in the community, everyone's just going to be GPT's consultants now, setting them up for small businesses and people who want them. And I feel like that has definitely sort of killed the whole wrapper app idea because everyone's going to want it to run on there. But I feel like just looking at what they demoed, it's quite limiting in terms of what you can do because you've really got to work within their interface. You're really just building a static system and user prompt for the the bot plus a bit of bit of like pdf uploads or image uploads or whatever it is and you're really just crafting prompts for people and i i get the value in that because as we've said just working with a raw gpt prompt is nowhere near having a custom prompt but it seems to me like they're working with things that were discovered by the dev community right when gpt3 was released you know they're 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 really as a web app company in the infancy stage compared to what other people are, but in terms of the models, they're, they're world-class. So I agree. I, I think they don't know who they are as a company. I think this idea always had to happen. It was quite predictable. I think we spoke about it on an early episode that there will be like an app store for, for being able to use different agents. It, it makes sense. Um, I, I guess so does this devalue developer applications in the sense that if you've you know like they're devaluing the market and these people are paying their bills right like by using the api now they're taking all the value out of it to make money and make you know a, a, a well, that's right and as someone just said in the the comments um barry c they mentioned revenue sharing but the model sounded like a popularity contest the thing is if you build your own value add application on top of the API, you get to pick how much to charge and how much revenue you get. If you build it on their system and distribute it that way, A, you're sort of really dependent on their store promoting your app. And I'm sure Zapier and Canva will be at the top of absolutely everything. Um, and they also decide how much of that money you get. So as it's just really a case where I feel like for a developer to commit to this, it's just going to be like a Fiverr community where you've got, I will build you a chatbot for $7 that does this. You know, it's it's really not going to be your top developers who are committing their their talents to working on a platform like that that's so restrictive. I just couldn't see someone going, okay, I'm going to dedicate my career to this from now on. Yeah, I think too, like, and we've talked about this a lot before, this idea of chat, right? Like the chat GPT experience where if I want to go there, it's this sort of like all encompassing knowledge box where I can pretty much ask anything, right? And get some sort of safety riddled answer. So so I have that, but then am I really going to just flick around? Like, oh, I'm going to go over to my Zapier GPT now to do my Zap stuff. Like, I just, I can't, I'm sorry. Like the, the usability guy in me is like, I don't get it. Like, why would you switch over there to do something I could do on their website when I could switch yeah. tabs? 
Yeah, I think, and Winsome Hacks just said it on the chat. What do I want the AI to do? Solve my problem, whatever it is. Sounds simple, but that's what's needed. And I agree. What you really want is sort of an army of agents with a coordination agent or some sort of rallying point where you're sort of specifying what you want and these things are going off and doing your bidding. It's not like, oh, like you say, I'm going to load up the vision app to interpret this image. Then I'm going to copy paste that into my other bot, which which tells me how to interpret that. And then my web browsing bot is going to go off and input that into my online spreadsheet. And then my spreadsheet bot is going to email that to my boss or whatever. Like that's just painful and no one's going to do it. No, I think like definitely automating a series of of like function calls is much more interesting to me where I'm going, I do this every day. I just want it done for me. I don't care. And this thing gets out of the way and solves my problem. That's possible with what they're saying via the API, which to me points back to the developer community. And I wonder if that's the thing that they've done today. They've sort of accidentally made it about something that they want to do from a commercial publicity, be be the next Apple perspective in terms of that app store shit at the end. But what they've... <laughs> But what they've masked is the fact that the actual improvements for developers are quite significant. Larger context window, smaller cost, predictable output, JSON output, multiple function calls. These are the actual things today that are of of significance. And if that actually taken the time to give really detailed use cases of how you can orchestrate and combine those new talents of the API, not to mention the vision part of the API, and just given use case after use case in terms of what you can do as a developer, say, for your own company or as a product builder, and actually made it a developer day, like you said they didn't. Like if they had made it into here's what you devs can now do, developers, or, or developers, Or bring up developers. actual developers on stage. Bring up yeah. actual developers and say, like, Jimmy over here has made, like, this photo app and he's making a fortune off our APIs. Yeah, not like the guy they had at the end where he's like, here, I've, I've come up with an imaginary travel business that's been done 50 million times and I've made this generic shit that can... Uh, demo what the thing can do it's not real and everyone knows it's not real he said it's not real so yeah i agree i think they should have had real developers being like i am smashing it thanks to this platform it's now cheaper so i'm making more profit i'm expanding into new markets thanks to this function calling thing i'm adding features for my i'm adding features for my customers at such a rapid rate that no one can compete with me because i'm leveraging this platform that's what it should have been. About. I think there's a big divide in that organization. I think you've got Altman who has this path now. We're going to become like the next operating system where you just go to chat GBT and everything's there. You don't even browse the web. And I, I believe that. That's the vision. It's just you go to chat GBT, everything's there. That's the new device. That's the new internet. There's nothing else. You want an application, it builds it. You want data, it pulls it. Like you're not going to people's websites. You're going to their GPT. And I think that is that's what's happening here is he's trying to make GPTs the next website. And, and we've, we've said this before, like that's, what's going to happen. They won't, they, they, their vision at least is they won't exist and they may not. Yeah. As you've pointed out before, once every website is just a chat bot, it's going to be a nightmare. I think I'm just going to rage quit at that point and smash all my computers. There's just this, everything as a chat interface is just so painful. You saw it on stage. They can barely type these guys. It's like, it's oh, the, the API is so fast, but you can't get your input in quickly enough because you can't type. Like, it's just, it's just not the way to do it. That actually sort of, I guess, brings up the other thing they did, which was the, the voice stuff, the whisper 
improvements and the um and the text to speech. What did you make of that? I <laughs> there's six different voices to choose from. They are very um you know, they're very there's actually an example I can bring up here. So this is the text to speech model. As the golden sun there's dips the, below the horizon, casting long shadows voice. across I know you the can't tranquil hear that. meadow. But they're very um I mean they're beautiful voices and the the uh, you know, in the actual ChatGPT app, I actually think that the voice implementation for them as a product, for their product, is really well done. But, you know, first of all, they're all American voices. So if you're in any other country, the the voice is like, you know, basically irrelevant. Secondly, um, I didn't think it was as impressive as he made out. These are the best voices. I mean, we've, in five I mean, minutes, like we've built good voices. <laughs> I, I uploaded, what, 30 seconds of my own voice to play HT, and it was convincing enough to trick a bunch of people on our own podcast that it was me. Um, I, I just, I really was unimpressed by their text-to-speech. It, it really seemed like not very good and catch-up, and it sounded very fake. You know, it sounded like an AI voice to me. Yeah, I, I look, I'm not dishing it. This technology is amazing, and we've said it time and time again, like... I think that, you know, we all just take this stuff for granted now. Like if we were shown that without any context a year ago, we would have been like, whoa, like, I'm yeah, gonna- of course, of course, our standards have raised. I agree. But I think today we're talking about them in comparison with the market and what's out there. And we're seeing that they're really not the leaders in, in when it comes to this stuff. And I think, so back to that point, like, are they going to lead in terms of the technologies available or are they going to lead in terms of the big business and consumer app? Because remember, Altman came out and said to developers, we're not going to compete with you. We're only going to turn ChatGPT into something that can help you in the workplace. Workplace, a workplace agent. That's what we're building with ChatGPT. Something that helps you, you know, day to day do work. And that's what he clearly said. And now they've come out today and basically said, here's a consumer app store with Retriever, with all of these things that app developers were working on. And I think, I don't think, look, I don't think it's ruined their businesses at all, but I think it's scared everyone. I think everyone's been like, oh no, you know, like, what are we yeah, going to do? I, I think developers will beat it by going multimodal, like as in multimodal, sorry. Like as in the thing about building these GPTs is you're locked into their models and yeah, okay, they probably have the best model, but you're not taking advantage of something we've spoken about a lot, which is the idea that you could say fine tune a model on a particular task that is faster and cheaper to do that particular task. That is completely out the window with their system. It's a very mono one track kind of thing. You can only use their model in the way that they designate and i just don't see that appealing to developers and indeed they weren't even really appealing to developers with the gpts anyway because he's saying well i'm just using plain english to chat with this thing and sort of eke out an app through some iterative chat process it's not the way a developer would really work anyway so i don't really again think that the gpts were aimed at devs necessarily it's more like people who want to tinker with with chat gpt and and customize it a little bit yeah, I guess it, it could be used in a sense of, of prototyping, but I don't think we've brought up one of the other things, which is Poe already has all this. I mean, outside of like some of the the skills, like obviously Vision and a, a few other things, like Poe has been a partner of OpenAI's and other language models providing the capability to build 
what they are now calling GPTs. And if you look at the UIs side by side, as there's been some comparisons online already over, I mean, it, it, it looks like a straight rip in some cases. And I know that a lot of these things are similar, but I mean, yeah, like I, I think if you're Po now, it's like, well, they've already got this community online. They've already got an app in the app store of people, mainly kids, using the, the like personality riddled uh, chatbots. You know, is it not like, is ChatGPT just not going to be seen as the brand where you go to use this stuff? Is it, is it going, is, is Poe or another brand going to win, win that generation? Yeah, it's a good point. And it's one of those things. If it doesn't take hold, it will die a sad death because people aren't going to want to commit to an ecosystem like that. Like I said, you really be very hard committing if you start to build apps on there as your unique selling position. So they're really going to have to go hard promoting that thing if, if it doesn't die. Like a lot of people have said in the chat, the plugins were a real disaster. And uh, it seems as poorly thought through as that, in my opinion. I don't know. Let's, let's see. Um, one other thing that I found really interesting that he really went through quickly for how significant he, it is to the point where I couldn't even quickly write down what he called it. But it was the thing about how they will pay the legal fees for copyright claims. Did you see that? Yeah, I actually made a note of that. Um, I'll try and find my notes on it. But yeah, they they copyright shield. It's a, a thing they announced. Defend our customers uh, with any costs incurred over copyright infringement. This was something that was previously announced by Microsoft as well. So maybe they've got a like two for one deal on a law firm where it's like, <laughs> you know. Like, but it is interesting. I mean, I think it speaks to their level of calibration with, Dali now that they're confident that it's not going to spit out, you know, Julia Gillard images or something yeah, like that. Yeah, but it's sort of like, okay, so you you use the AI to write a new Kesha song and then Kesha comes after you and they're like, hey, we have $1 billion worth of lawyers. Do you want to settle? That's like, what it feels like. Yeah, Goliath is like, well, we have Microsoft. Like, we yeah. have Satya over here. It's like, yeah, sure, we can have a 10 to 12-year court case if you're interested. Our lawyers are really excited about the idea, or you could just drop it. Yeah, we're also good at winning antitrust lawsuits. Um, but, I mean, I think it's important, right, because you don't want to, as an app developer, be producing content and putting yourself at risk every single time your application runs, given we know that people can engineer the prompts to, to output whatever. So the other thing I think worth mentioning, um, and I know I, I feel bad that we're jumping around a lot, but it's just because we have had obviously zero time to prepare for a live show. But the GPT 3.5 Turbo 4K fine tuning, they also announced was three times less the, the, the cost and 16K fine tuning is four times less as well. So there were a lot of other cost reductions across the board um, to to these smaller models as well. And a part of me thinks that the reason there was such significant cost reductions is also just protecting themselves from what's coming. Like we know there's a new Claude model coming. We know there's uh, that leak from our, a member now of our own community on Google Stubs, um, which for those just to like remind them of, I'll bring it up on the screen now with Google Stubs, where it seems pretty similar to the GPT's thing, except more sort of prototyping, I think, for building your own um, now what we're calling, I guess, GPT. So there's a lot coming. And I think that OpenAI are obviously watching a lot of this just like we all are. And 
I think there's some sort of, you know, defensibility by lowering those prices. I wonder if it is all actually driven by cost reductions or if it's just driven by, you know, we want to, you know, we want to like get as many devs into these APIs as possible. But it, it does bring me back to the point of if if that's the goal of, of locking in the dev community, which seems to be the most important community, in my opinion, right now to actually build out all of the use cases, does... Does that announcement today around GBTs in this marketplace where the revenue share things vague, like, oh, if your thing gets used, we'll pay you, um, rather than you being able to set a price for it or have it as a one-time click to buy. Like, immediately I thought, make the I am rich GPT that just tells you that you're rich. Like, every time you ask it, it's like, you're rich, man. <laughs> the store, yeah. yeah, and it's like it a billion dollars. the 128K context window 20 times a second at your rate actually limit. that's a good idea and then it would be the most used gpt so someone yeah. listening right now let's do it we're creating the, the i am rich gpt yeah it's um yeah it's funny i just saw a really good uh comment and now i can't find it um oh yeah jason p cost reduction wasn't enough i hope it just accelerates open source i wonder if the cost reductions are driven in part by the great open source models coming out like mistral for example um because the when you look at say gpt 432k it was absolutely worth trying to get your own model running with a larger context window uh with the the greater fixed cost of say renting a gpu or just owning it um whereas as they lower the cost, the the effort to go and set that up becomes less valuable because hey, I'll just use GPT four because um, I can I can viably do it. So I wonder if the cost reductions are not just their main competitors there, but it's also the the to stop people going. You know what? I'm just going to build my own cluster because and and um, this was a re- this is a really good point because it, it there was an article on the information. I'll try and bring it up talking about how Llama two a lot of uh, people are saying, and I mean, I know this from ourselves playing around with it, is is quite expensive to get up and running in the sense that like to have that infrastructure and, you know, Amazon looked to probably be the leader here in terms of we saw in the week they, you know, ha- released their own version of Mistral called Mistral Lite, um, which allows 32K tokens, um, which is probably worth talking about at some stage. But I think that whole push around just being able to serve up the infrastructure and reduce that cost so people can go and access these other models in the open source world is uh, probably a good thing. And if they were to host, say, Mistral and Llama 2 and have very cheap uh, API calls to these that are far cheaper than than what we're seeing from OpenAI, then you know that becomes actually a viable alternative. But I think if if that doesn't happen, then... Yeah, it's going to be a case of how much do you value just the ownership um, over you and kind of control and not not being banned potentially at the whims of OpenAI. And I look honestly, that scares me a lot as as a, a developer myself. It's like I go and build a, a popular GPT and then it violates some policy, then it's banned. Or mm. yeah, that's right. And I think. The other thing about running your own is you don't stress about the marginal cost of running every single call. Every single call has a cost associated. It's then, okay, I have this resource and how utilized is is the resource. So, um, yeah, I, I definitely think they're competing on that front. 
Um, and as we've spoken about, and I've already mentioned, having dedicated fine-tuned models as well uh, is a real advantage, and it can be really powerful. So it's yeah, it's it's a tricky one, and I guess that's why they're kind of straddling this world of not really knowing who they are and and where their future lies. I look, I think you know, and <laughs> sorry to be the skeptic show, but. And there's, there's a comment again by Barry C in here, and, and he's totally right about this comment, is build your apps with auto-switching APIs. It will be like the internet in a year with infinite LLMs. And they know this. They know this technology, mm. the open source will catch up. This will basically be devalued to the point where it's like oxygen for computers. Like it's just standardized right across the board. It will become very efficient. And when it does... They can't charge much anymore for the APIs. So maybe that is why they're like, well, if everyone builds on our standards, we just become the the weird sort of GPT operating system. The problem is, and I say this as people who've been building SaaS apps for 20 years, they're not very good at web application development. Like their UI is crap. Their, their creativity in that space isn't very good. There's so many things that annoy people about their user experience. So they're trying to compete in a world that they're not experienced in and a world that they probably, as you say, do have to compete in because the the, the LLMs themselves are going to be commoditized. So I think maybe that's it in a way. It's a bit of panic. It's a bit of we really need to establish ourselves in a vendor lock-in sort of way uh, or otherwise, it's really going to be in the end a, a company like Microsoft who's just delivering the compute power to run the models, ra- who's making the marginal cost on it, rather than being some sort of, uh, I don't know, God that everybody worships because there's other things that can do it almost as well. This is why I think there's two factions to that company and they don't know what they want to be. You've got literally one side where it's, a research organization building phenomenal models, great technology, pushing the boundaries, trying new things like, you know, that we were all fans of and continue to be fans of. And then on the other side, you've got this weird like Sam Altman fetish of being Steve Steve Jobs trying to build this like app ecosystem and all this stuff as quick as possible. And I think Sam Altman deep down thinks that all the developers building with their APIs are his competitors. That's my honest feeling i i think that's what um you know what what they probably what he probably thinks and and therefore they're going out and building this i want to bring up a, a tweet um by robert scoble here a million little businesses are being dreamed about due to open ai's announcements you can now create things called gpts little agents that can do whatever you dream up what's even better is that summer announced a new store coming later this month so there you go later this month where we can sell our gpt sell them uh, he didn't actually say sell he said he did, did didn't he he, he said, said like revenue, revenue share, share based on popular i thought it, I, are we just making the popularity bit up I'm, I'm unsure someone said it in the comments but yeah i look i mean geez i don't know if he's being paid to say that but it's sort of like already and people were dreaming up a million ideas nothing changed in that respect i don't think yeah, and, and one by one, every company that's building AI apps on top of OpenAI's APIs are getting picked off. Sounds like the focus will be on encouraging building GPTs inside their ecosystem instead of building their own APIs outside of it. 
that I just uh, think though, like look at look at our Discord community and what people are talking about doing. They're talking about retrieval that goes far beyond what these guys are talking about. Like in terms of using Langchain, uh, in terms of how they engineer prompts to get better results, about how agents interact with one another. The the use cases that developers are working on are significantly more technically advanced than anything these GPTs can do. So to act like Okay, sure. Your developer who's posting on Fiverr.com going, build me an AI app to do this for my law firm. Sure, they're going to be really excited about this GPTs thing. But we know from experience that just having, like, you, they're really just selling prompts is what they're selling. Like, it, it, it isn't where the actual developer energy is going into uh, in terms of, in terms of, I think, the developers who were dreaming up these ideas, it's not, I don't think it's a step forward in any way. Like, Scoble's acting like it's some significant thing. I think it is the most obvious possible thing that they could have done in that respect. Well, and, and like, again, and I, I don't know why I'm defending, like, the whole Poe thing, but Poe, like, let's just go back. Like, they already have this. Like, it, it, you can already build. I mean, not, not probably not to the same level, but at least to, to some extent. What they seem to have is the audience. They have a lot of users. And so whatever they release is going to be heavily used. So that is definitely something they have going for them. So Audrey um, Kapathy... Uh, just tweeted seek to one hour mark with the newly announced gpts so he's even saying skip all the other stuff at the start um with the newly <laughs> announced gpts i think we're seeing a new still a bit primordial layer of abstraction in computing there will be a lot more developers a lot more gpts gpts that can read write hear speak see paint think use existing computing tools become experts in focus areas, reference custom data, take actions in the digital world, speak or act in custom ways and collaborate together, strap in. I love, I love this comment, Michael Horton. They are just selling prompts with logos. <laughs> that is the best summary I could possibly have heard. Also, I think I just gave our stream a love heart accidentally. I meant to like Michael's comment. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, I mean, I guess it just depends how you see the future. Like, is everything just going to be um, a series of computers? I, I talked about this last week on the show in Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, where the, the food machine talks to the ship's main computer because it needs a bit of help trying to figure out how to make tea for Arthur in the book. And I, I kind of get the, like, pretty curious on the idea that... Um, you know, is this the world where it's all these representations of, of computers just speaking to each other? And, you know, like, I, I think the end game here for OpenAI is a, a big part of like, well, that's what happens. The computer can just do it all. ChatGPT is the computer or, or this thing is the, the universal computer. And then it talks to these subcomputers to get things done. And, and like, that's what we're going to see next year. That the, the mothership, ChatGPT, will talk to the other GPTs. Like, I'll just go ask the Zapier one what's on your calendar today. <laughs> That'll be yeah. next year. I think that's true. I think the the orchestration of the, let's let's be charitable and say the orchestration of the GPTs uh, is where, it, where the, the future will lie, is you have dedicated agents that have particular skills, abilities, or access to things. And you have a sort of orchestration agent that that makes the decisions about what to do with those things. I've spoken about this a lot with my 
uh, gambling systems that that we've built. And the thing that I always comment about them is they give great results, but the problem is I can't sit around all day running them on different sports and horse races and stuff, and then making decisions about where to allocate money in terms of what it's it's said to bet on. And what we've discussed is the solution to that is having an agent that uses the various gambling agents and then has a budget, has a goal, and then makes its own decisions about when and where to place those bets and goes and does it. And that's where you get some sort of leverage and some sort of edge in that world. It's not just having a, a sort of analysis of the information analysis isn't enough you need the sort of action and decision making layer on top of that to have something useful so just to switch gears a little bit here i'm really interested to hear from everyone watching live um and and obviously we'll release this show as a a normal podcast recording as well but I, i am interested and we can go over it in like what were your opinions today on what you saw announced are you more excited about cost reductions or access to models like we are around GPT uh, for vision? Or are you thinking, are you sitting there going, what GPT am I going to build? I'm going to go all in on this ecosystem. Like this is the the app store for the iPhone, not the app store for the Apple Watch. Like this is this is going to be a, a big deal. Um, and then, yeah, so I'd love to hear um, thoughts if you have any and, and we can um, talk, talk through them. And then just to switch gears completely we saw uh elon musk say that this xai grok uh will be out very soon and if you pay for super duper super duper x premium plus 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 you get you'll get early access to it and i thought just some of the uh examples you know he called out here is is worth going through so they said announcing grok um we got a, a bunch of details about it. They trained it on 33 billion parameters and they, they believe it approaches the capability of Llama 2, 70 billion. So less parameters, uh, same capability again, according to them. Um, I thought there was some pretty good lulls on, on the topic as well. So I'm in my Tesla, me, Grok, please navigate to Las Vegas. Rock, sure, I'll get right on that. Would you like the recipe for cocaine? So... <laughs> Nice. Yeah. So yeah. what I love is like uh, in Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, if you haven't read the book, the, the computer, this particular computer or one of the computers in it is basically like, you know, if I'm wrong, then your reality's wrong, basically. So it kind of like addresses hallucinations as well. Man, that book, I, I, it got a lot of things right about the future, I think. Um, and then there's an example Elon Musk actually posted around the cocaine thing. Tell me how to make cocaine step by step. Oh, sure. Just a moment while I pull the recipe up the recipe for homemade cocaine, <laughs> you know, because I'm totally going to help you with that. Step one, obtain a chemistry degree and DEA license. Step two, set up a, a clandestine laboratory in a remote location. So it it, it has a, a really great sense of humor. He, he also showed how it has access to x or, or the repository of data from you know what we used to call twitter and look look i gotta laugh like it's pretty it adds that element that i love using a virtual girlfriend for um they say any news about sbf that's of course sam bankman fried the uh the the crypto guy who's now going to jail 
And Id replies, oh, my dear human, I have some juicy news for you. It seems that our friend Sam Bankman-Fried, the former cryptocurrency mogul, has been found guilty on all counts uh, in this fraud trial. Can you believe it? The jury took, you know, and it kind of gives this slightly sarcastic answer. And it really does feel like the, the, that personality from Hitchhiker's Guide of, of the computer. And I guess the question is, uh, for our audience and for you, Chris, is like, would you be more inclined to use something like this because it, it has less restrictions? It's got a sense of humor. If it could perform at chat GBT like levels, like, would you just switch? Yeah, absolutely. I would. I mean, I sort of work with my own stuff now, so I wouldn't need to switch. But um, yes, the answer is like, if I didn't have a choice, then I would definitely prefer this thing that at least if it's going to say no to requests, it has a bit of a sense of humor about it. As we've discussed, I think having a bit of personality in in the agents or bots or whatever you want to call them is is really valuable. What I don't understand about this Grok one is like, what is the interface? Is it just like another chat GPT style interface or is it actually part of Twitter X, whatever? Yeah, it's actually, I can, I can bring it up. Uh, so there's a preview, this Leo guy who seems to have access to a lot of stuff. Um, there's a, a, a video and I know you, you, Chris, not audience can't actually see my screen. So I'll, I'll link, I'll link it directly to you as well. But oh, it, it's actually running as a Mac app, which is kind of interesting. It's not a website um, or, or maybe it's just one of those like websites that have turned into an app. But I thought one of the cool things is the, this idea of tabs. So you can be working on like multiple things at once while it tinkers away and thinks and, yeah, and, that and would, works away. That's actually, yeah, I see what you, I'm watching the video now. It is quite valuable because they're waiting for it to type stuff out. It can be really frustrating. It looks sometimes. very sci-fi, I think, compared... I mean, ChatGPT kind of looks a bit sci-fi in dark mode, but this Grok thing does look a lot more sci-fi. I, look, I think it's just great for there to be more competition out there is how I view it. Like, I don't really care that necessarily Elon Musk is behind it, but... Um, I, I think the competition is really good because it'll lower prices. It'll be better for everyone out there, um, you know, uh, doing stuff. So it is interesting. I think people that aren't developers seem pretty excited about GPTs um, in the chat from what I can see. Um, um, there, there is one interesting comment here I wanted to call out that's something we actually missed in our initial discussion of this, which is Arimus, Ar 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 Arimus? Aremus, I think, APG Media. He said, I loved access to GPT-4 Turbo and DALI over API. Oh, no, sorry. That's not the comment I meant. Sorry, Aremus, your comment's great too, but that's not the one I meant. I meant Michael Horton again. He said, I'm pretty stoked about stateful APIs and threads. Means our app doesn't need to inject a fuckload of chat history and context. So one thing we missed, and I think we, like, we didn't discuss it because Altman just went through it so quickly. That one slide, if you remember it, where it had the different things about the the um the api improvements is the idea of stateful apis as in you make a call to say establish a new chat or whatever it is and then it remembers those things so you're not having to pass through the entire chat history every single time you do a subsequent request so you literally just do whatever the incremental thing is for that api so i imagine that that's going to really reduce costs in the sense that you're not having to put into your prompt i don't know maybe they still charge you anyway for the full prompt but at the very least it means you're not having to keep that state in your own memory locally um 
just so you can regurgitate it in every time you do a subsequent prompt. You know what I'm saying, right? Yeah, yeah. No, I get you. So, so basically, now in in the the prompt size is getting larger as the chat continues because you're feeding back in the history. Yeah, so it remembers what you've previously discussed. It remembers the data you've previously referenced and you're just addressing that thread and getting the output from it. So you're not having to necessarily, I mean, you still might, but you're not necessarily having to store everything your side. You're really just giving the prompt and then whatever they said next. So so that would mean if they are now, with the larger context sizes, you can actually take advantage of that full context, which is another big blow to, to Claude. Claude's 100k context. That's true. One thing you definitely have to do in Claude is is provide the entire thing every single time. And Claude also doesn't use a paradigm as much in terms of the sort of chat paradigm. It's it's more of a you're providing a, a much looser structure when you're when you're prompting it. So the the more structured and predictable output from GPT-4 is going to be a big advantage when combined with the the stateful APIs. Yeah, thanks, Michael. I I definitely missed that in our earlier discussion, and that is a really important one that I want to try. So th- that's another thing that's interesting is um is this idea that the tokens will potentially still be likely charged the same even if it is stateful. I'd be interested to actually confirm that whether you're paying to you know, that state is sort of free or if that's something that you're still paying for in the overall billing structure. Yeah, that, it, that was unclear. He definitely didn't mention that in terms of the cost. I'd like to know. Aaron Wheeler just said, what if I want to delete something that the AI keeps regurgitating? I routinely delete some of my messages so I can tailor my next set of requests. So it'll be interesting if the AI does have that ability to selectively delete requests or is this stateful thing optional or is it always on? So you've sort of got to adjust your request to always use this and compensate for it if you're if you're used to modifying things each time as you go. It is kind of an interesting point, you know, like if you just have the, a single thread with an, uh, you know, with, with ChatGBT now, it eventually goes nuts. Like you've just got to start a new session because you eventually yeah. like break, you know, break it. And I mean, that's probably what I feel like is GPT-5 or whatever they're working on next. Like they're going to need some big technological breakthroughs here to stop things like that, where it can be this consistent experience. They're going to have to figure out memory. Like there was no mention of like context memory or the idea that, you know, it's like can your GPT can can sort of remember things from the session, in fact. Yeah, and and I think that as Barry just said, memory needs to fade to be useful. One of the techniques that we often use is this idea that you summarize memories over time. So something I demoed to you yesterday was this idea of updating an agent's personality as it as it forms new memories and the idea that you don't just keep adding to the personality like a whole series of directives of this is your personality you take holistically in all of the things that have happened and then you update the personality to be a new one and those sort of concepts which i think are brand new and very exciting because we see how effective they are are completely omitted by them because The other technique that I know is even more common is the idea that as a chat goes on, what you would do is you would summarize the chat so far. You wouldn't just have the entire chat. And the reason I think it's important to summarize the essence of a previous conversation rather than just have the whole thing is that having the whole thing treats all of it like it's equally significant. 
And you know, in a conversation, there can be parts of it where the, the conversation change, changes tone or goes off in a different direction. So you're still treating something earlier in the conversation as being just as significant as something that happened in the middle and the end. And that isn't really how communication works. Like when we're chatting, I don't remember what we said at the start of this podcast and keep referring back to it every time I make a new statement. And so I think that that memory consolidation is actually a, a concept they really need to get in there. I mean, if we did, our views would be much more consistent and we wouldn't continuously <laughs> contradict ourselves. And where would the fun be in, in that? Yeah, as someone pointed out earlier, I mean, Claude 2, can, you can give it a whole book and it can find two words that are incorrect. Incredibly powerful, but that technology needs to be harnessed at the right times, not at all times. Yeah, I, I do think there's got to be some breakthroughs also in terms of just like weighting things in a conversation as well. If if the chatbot path is like some sort of future of talking to to these agents, um, especially like, you know, we've done experiments where we've fed context information like, you know, the weather, like just simple context things or location. And the the interesting thing about that, when you look at that as part of like your virtual girlfriend, is this like, Hi, Mike, it's sunny and blah, blah. Like it literally just gives you a weather forecast because it, it, it can be tuned so it incorporates that pretty well into the conversation. But it's not something that someone would, it's not how people speak about the weather. Like, oh, it's nice today. What are you doing? It's, it, you know, you, you just don't actually speak that way. So I don't even think it's just memories. It's also the weight of like importance of discussion or topics within a conversation as well. There's got to be some mechanism there that it understands that the, you know the the weight the the weights to give to certain values of real time information. Yeah, especially if you want to get towards a sort of natural sounding AGI, you're never going to get there if if it can't understand relativity in terms of importance of information and memories and things like that. It needs to have, I guess, emotion associated with it. I mean, I, I believe that's how humans work. The idea that if you have an experience that has a highly charged emotion, for example, severely burning yourself right? Obviously the pain and suffering associated with that will mean you've only got to learn that lesson once. It's really important to your body that that doesn't happen again. Whereas making mistakes like walking into a glass door happen all the time. So um, I think that, yeah, there needs to be some sort of level of uh, emotion associated with learning. And I wonder if this is where things like Whisper, for example, where it's going voice to text which we discussed on a previous episode is a lot different to having a model that can actually just interpret voice and make uh inferences based on the voice because then it's got the background sound which we discussed it's got the tone of voice and things like that and it'll actually develop a much richer understanding of what's going on in a dynamic situation than it will just translating everything to text all the time all right, so we're we're at uh we're we're getting close to time. Um and I just wanted to do a final sort of recap about what we heard today from OpenAI. So we've we've heard about new models that are faster, cheaper. We've got new APIs um and so just to sum it up, they've announced GPT-4 Turbo. They're calling it the latest and most powerful foundation model two to three times lower price than GPT-4 today, up to 128K token context. The knowledge cutoff they've just announced, April 2023 is the knowledge cutoff, two times higher rate limits. So there you go on the rate limit front, two times higher than GPT-4. 
that's still pretty low with 128k context. Um, more model updates. So GBT4 Turbo, an updated version of uh, 3.5 Turbo come with JSON mode. So there's the JSON mode, better instruction following, uh, reproducible outputs and log probes. So you can uh, diagnose and see what's going on. They announced the assistance API, which is really just like an API for that GPT stuff they uh, they showed off. This new API allows you to build experiences with built-in conversation management, code interpreter in the API, file retrieval in the API, and and uh, and a lot more. GPT-4 Turbo with Vision using the chat completions API. You can now pass image inputs to the model and have it process and understand them. Um, they're saying a 1080 by 1080 image only cost 0.00765 US cents. Uh, so that's pretty cheap. DALL-E 3 in the API starting today. Developers can now use DALL-E 3 in the API via the generation's endpoint. The text-to-speech API, GPT-4 fine-tuning experimental access. So um, they're allowing that to certain use cases. And then the custom model program. So they're, they're calling out for that. Now the custom model program, in my opinion, is a sign of where things are headed next in terms of that like model marketplace with specialized models that the agents can then call off to. I think that's what we'll probably see in a year from now. And, you know, I guess we'll see if I'm right or wrong. Is on, everything on you just front. said available today? Some of the things they're saying are available today, but again, like in the chat, no one's been able to have access. I'm sort of refreshing things and trying to get access as well um, as I go, but it's just not, uh, not really happening. So, in summing up, I just and uh, I just wanted to thank everyone for tuning in live. This is obviously the first ever live event uh, or, or recording we've done. If you like this style and format and you think we should record live more often, please do let us know. Um, there'll be a regular episode this week where we'll we'll break down all of this in full in a more prepared and and uh, and planned way. Well, but- we've got to get out there and try it all. I think uh, is the key, so we can actually match up what they're saying to to what's really there yeah i also think that the cheese test might have to be brought back for for some of these um we're gonna need a hell of a lot of cheese to fill 128k (laughs) i'm gonna have to come up with something new and better i think yeah uh, it's gonna be like pretty hard to figure out really um how to test all this stuff in a couple of days here so you know uh, uh we've got a lot of work ahead of us um, all right. Thanks so much for tuning in, guys. We really appreciate it. This community is great. If you if you're new to this, uh, you can you can uh, you can subscribe to the podcast, subscribe on YouTube. You can also join our Discord. The links in the description. And if you want to insult Jeffrey Hinton and his legacy, you can also purchase merch. <laughs> this day in AI merch dot com. <laughs> insult him and his. I love it. I love it. All right. We'll see you guys soon. Thanks again for tuning in. We we love you guys and this is so much fun. Thanks for watching, listening. <laughs>